You peeked at it. Oh, you didn't peek no, at it. No, I did not peek at it. <laughs> Ugly blind. You could have used your wild card, though, right? Yeah, you could have. You could have used your wild card, but uh, um, I did not. And uh, and, and you'd have to pay extra to put it on it. That's so, fine. no, I am... Giving it up? I'm going to let, let you have that at five. That's a bargain, Mike. All right. So Whatever it is, it's a bargain. I'll right. let you reveal it. hope it's good. One, oh, <laughs> one, one, four. You got the, you got the. That is the, the absolute worst garbage. It's like eating chicken. Nets That's maybe the worst one on this whole card. <laughs> it is the worst one on this whole card. I'm sorry. You had no idea what it was. No, no, no. I know it wasn't the one I picked at, but. <laughs> Welcome to Which Game First where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we play the scariest game of dictionary ever in Werewords. <laughs> Next up, we outbid the other conglomerates to turn copper into gold in Tinner's Trail. And lastly, we intimidate our neighbors in Cold War Showdown in Summit. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hey, did somebody say game? And Mike Grenier. Nosvedania. Our first game up this week is Werewords. Deluxe Edition, designed by Ted Alsbach. Published by Bezier Games in 2018, number of players 4 to 20, uh, 2 to 3 for the Speed Words variant, ages 8 and up, playtime 10 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box introduces us to some very suspicious looking characters, including at least two Count Dracula knockoffs. A farmer <laughs> with a fully connected ginger tart catcher and mustache combo. Yeah. And a werewolf in what looks like a very fetching yellow polo shirt. Inside the box, we'll discover 36 checkmark tokens, 12 question mark tokens, a star, an X, and an exclamation point token, and 21 cards including the mayor, some werewolves, a seer, several villagers, and some other characters to spice up the game. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we find out if this game will have you howling with delight or howling in agony, Evan, scare us up some rules. In where words, players guess a secret word by asking yes or no questions. Figure out the magic word before time is up and you win. However, one of the players is secretly a werewolf who is not only working against you, but also knows the word. If you don't guess the word in time, you can still win by identifying the werewolf. Multiple ways to win. To help you out, one player is the seer who knows the word, but must not be too obvious when helping you figure it out. If the word is guessed, the werewolf can pull out a win by identifying the seer. Keep that seer secret. Where words? Their words. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, speaking of laughs, we did play this in a party setting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, you did. did. Yeah, I wasn't there. What party was it? Yeah, it was at my birthday party. Yeah, your 29th birthday party. Yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah, twenty first yeah. finally legal. What's yes. up? Yes. Woohoo! Yeah. All right. We were responsible so, drinkers, though. It was fine. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, we so were responsible we drinkers because there was one bottle of vodka and it was about six <laughs> gallons of vodka and that was it. <laughs> I think somebody brought a bottle of wine too. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's it. Yep. I mean, you know, that's what are you going to do? I but was, it was enough because we're not heavy drinkers, so it was no, fine. I was in a rush at Costco. What can I say? <laughs> did you manage to get 20 players in this game? No, we didn't uh, get all no. 20. I think probably the table was at its max around eight people. We, there okay. was quite a few people Healthy. at the party, but yeah, it Healthy. was. It was a good amount. I wouldn't want to have too many more, but I yeah. get how you could have 20 players here. That would be stressful for the mayor if you had more than what we had, I think. Yeah, I I, I think it gets uh, complicated with more than what we had. I think eight, it's kind of like the realistic limit. Is it a thing? Well, one question at a time, yeah. guys. Is Jesse asked, is it a place? Okay. Could be a place. <laughs> All right. Is it a place? Okay, so could maybe. Could be a place. Um, could be a place. Um, could be a place. Um, is, it, uh, is it a thing? It is a thing that could be a place. Wait, how can a thing be a place? Well, the restaurant is a thing. Yeah, but it's definitely a place. What's what's maybe a place? <laughs> is it a real place? The, your dream world is it, maybe a place. Is it a place oh you can eat at? Is it werewolf? Is it a place you can eat at? It yeah. could be a place that's could edible. Be a place. It could be an edible place. Is it a place people go? Wait, <laughs> what, what was your answer? Uh, all right. Yes. What was the it, question? Is it, is it edible? Is it oh, it's edible. food then. It's food. Uh, is it food? <laughs> I'm just going by the oh, answer. It's an edible place. Which is a, it Willy Wonka's Shades of Trader right here. We're going down the Trader yeah. Road. You also right. have this. Yeah. If people are way off, you can throw this at them. Yeah. Um, okay. Like, start okay. Over. Is yeah. it a, will you, and if they're wait, really close, is it edible? Okay. 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 Is it a human food? The one thing that kind of, I think, limits this game, and I think all games of this type, you know, good, you know, you're trying to, you know, people are trying to do things during the setup of the game without tipping off the identity. And the pet here is you have to be able to fiddle with the app and oh. be able to see that app. And if you've got like 20 people around that table, that better be a tablet, not a phone in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So this is an app-based game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the app kind of runs the game because in normal Werewolf, there's like a, a GM, a storyteller type person who runs the game. But in this, the app tells people when to close their eyes, uh, when to look up and acknowledge the other players on their team, etc. So that that's cool. And and it, it, it worked the way it was supposed to work? Once you figured it out, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it did take us a, a couple of fumbles figuring out how the app worked, but mm -hmm. I think that, that was only in a couple minutes, though. Mm -hmm. That's kind of our fault, though, because we jump ahead too much. The app really explained <laughs> what you were supposed to do at every stage. But the curious people that we are, we didn't really trust that at first. So yeah, we, it's like, we yeah. got this. We know how to play this game. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed the app. The app mm -hmm. was a lot of fun and really helped for the portion where everybody's got to... Everybody close their eyes, werewolves wake up. Everybody close your eyes, seer wake up. Everybody close your eyes, mayor wake up. That was really nicely handled by the app. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also the idea that the app is going to give you the word and it can be updated all the time. So this game can remain fresh because you're not going to see the same words again. And I like that aspect of it too. Oh yeah, I think it was very useful in that regard. It's actually since the, the role of the moderator could almost feel like, well, one person has to sit out and watch mm -hmm. the game and now only participate, like, marginally. While here, the app is doing the bookkeeping for you. Wake up and view the magic word. 
<laughs> Subtle. Oh, nice. Smooth. Close your eyes, werewolves. Wake up and look around for the other werewolf. And then view the magic word. Ding a ding dong, ding a ding dong. <laughs> Werewolves, close your eyes. Everyone, wake up. You now have. This music Lord does not set the mood. I like it. Is it alive? It was great that the moderator could actually play the game, but the moderator as the werewolf, like the mayor, I'm, I'm calling the moderator the mayor. That's what their actual name is. But the mayor really controls the pace of the game and if they're also a werewolf they can really kind of screw the game up there's not enough rules on what they're allowed to do if they're mm. both the mayor and the werewolf yeah it is it's that's intended because it actually is in the rules like well the mayor can be the werewolf too and then it's pretty much up to the seer at this point to say you know what you're a werewolf <laughs> <laughs> right i mean really anybody can because during the game you're making accusations the whole time until your timer runs out anyway but it doesn't stop the game like in regular werewolf you're kind of just throwing out there like hey this person's slow rolling or hey that person seemed to really know what the answer was you know so how do the yes no questions play into all of this i mean it's basically like 20 questions where you know you're kind of like narrowed down the possibility by asking questions and getting a yes no out of it right so the mayor will give a check mark if you know, you're on the right track for something. They'll give you an X if you're like way off or, you know, if it's not like, for instance, a yes or no question example would be, uh, is it a vegetable? You know, something very specific like that. And they'll say yes with a check mark or no with an X, but they're not allowed to actually speak. I um, see. Yeah. And if you're very close, they'll give you a star or an exclamation point. Uh, and if you're completely off, they'll give you, you know, the X or <laughs> like go well off base right or if it's or if it's like an ambiguous uh thing like is it alive you know well it might have been alive at one time but it isn't now you know they can't say any of that all they can do is give you the chip that has like the question mark on it right you know to kind of say mm, sort of <laughs> you know but the mayor can't speak at all it's not oh. to anywhere mm -hmm. that's that's the thing about the mayor the mayor knows what the word is but can't speak and there's uh, other people in the game who know what the word is, and that is the werewolf mm -hmm. and the seer. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's no fun when the mayor is the seer either. You can equally mess up the game for your side that way as well. Well, because you don't have the help of the seer knowing the word. Right. <laughs> you know? So no one knows the word, and you're totally stuck, you know, using your own wits to get this thing done mm -hmm. without any help. And it is not easy. Some of these words are very complicated because you can get <laughs> easy medium and hard words and they get mm. even more complicated when the mayor messes up <laughs> and gives you a check <laughs> on something that's definitely not a check oops yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like trying trying to sort of lead you but you're mm -hmm. taking it too seriously it's yep, like that yep. check doesn't mean a hard yes <laughs> right exactly <laughs> <laughs> i felt using the discs especially if there's a lot of players using mm -hmm. those discs as the mayor where there's x's and checks and stars is tough yeah. because it, things are going fast. Everybody's just yelling out guesses mm -hmm. and people are getting, I'm throwing people chips and they don't even know what they're for because they don't even remember two words ago right. what anybody was saying. Yeah, because they see that timer there, you know, and they're like, 
rushing to get their, their question in. There's plenty of time if everybody takes their time and the mayor can suss everything out of what they're saying. But if you're doing the normal thing that humans do when they see a timer and just blurting out as many answers <laughs> as you can, yeah. then the mayor can't really keep up with all the good ones. And you might say two things before the mayor throws you a chip. And now you're like, which one of those is the chip for? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but then it, it could also get into um, a point where only one person asking the question and the, and the other people just kind of watching if one person doing the 20 question bit. Having a, a healthy mix of people asking questions or kind of changing the direction of the questions is really helpful. But yeah, either shouting or complete silence is no bueno. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we had some players that even when they were the werewolf, could not resist trying to guess the word. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is another problem. <laughs> I was on the werewolf team with somebody, you know, team werewolf. We're trying to mislead people and, and, like, you know, lead them down the wrong path. And my teammate, because, you know, people just have a natural inclination to, like, solve puzzles or be right. But they already knew the answer. <laughs> but so they are given clues, like that were way too close to home. And I'm like, what are you doing? We're supposed to be leading them off track. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember Uh, remember that being the case when one time plastically blurted out the answer and at the end of the game, the the other world went, well, what? What were you thinking? (laughs) 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 And sometimes you just can't get anywhere near the right word. And Mm -hmm. people get yelled at. Oh, yeah. No matter what, like people are like, how could you say that? Or, you know, it's there's a lot of blame game going on yeah. after, ah. a word, after a failure. Yeah. Why did mm-hmm. you give a check mark for that? <laughs> it's a lot of pressure on the mayor, actually. Celeste was playing mayor a few times in a row, actually. But it's mm-hmm. normally randomly placed, but it was her birthday. So the first game around, she wanted to be mayor. And we're like, yep. OK, no problem. You're mayor. And then she ended up being mayor a couple of times. The seer catches a lot of heat, too. Yeah, if they're true. leading wrong. Or if they're leading too hard, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, yeah, because the seer has to be careful because the werewolves win if they kill the seer. That's if they right. say, That's I know who point. the seer is, they lose. Mm-hmm. So right, the fr- so they yeah. walk a very fine line as to feeding mm-hmm. hints to their side without looking like they're feeding hints. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah, know could, if I would make a good seer. I, I would probably <laughs> just be quiet. <laughs> too oh, quiet. Yeah, that that would be helpful at all. On the flip side, even if the villagers don't get the word at the end, if they can figure out who... The werewolf was, they can also win. The person mm-hmm. with most obstructionists. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury werewords. Ed? I'm not a big fan of word games or social deduction games. But that said, I did have some fun playing this with my friends. This is not my type of game. But I picked this over werewolf. For that reason alone, I'll have to give it a light dig. Mike? I do enjoy social deducting games like Werewolf, and this one took it to the next level by adding a really specific goal, a strict timer, and a way for everybody to participate basically at the same time, including the storyteller. So I have to say, dig it up. Yep, this game is better than Werewolf because of the addition of the word puzzle, and it makes the game more intellectually interesting. It is a dig up, especially for parties. Ow! Are you a werewolf or a tasty villager? Let us know. We are at which game first on social media. (laughs) I guess Ed told us who he is. Oh, I did? (laughs) I mean, a tasty villager. I mean, a villager. (laughs) 
Hey everybody, what is going on with Which Game First? Thursday nights is live Which Game First, a board game podcast on all of our social media broadcasting platforms, including YouTube, including Facebook, and including Twitch. We're going to play a game with you on Thursday nights, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. We want you to be part of that experience. We interact with you, have trivia contests with you, and you can watch us fumble our way through a brand new game. <laughs> or who knows what will happen that's right and we keep it lively and live with our bonus points episodes now too right guys yeah, yeah. Bonus, bonus points, points. bonus points live bonus points for patrons when we blow it you'll know it stay tuned on our discord server if you are a patron you will get access to the live show and if you missed the live show you can still get it on the patron only feed Bonus points, our patron-only podcast. If you want to become a patron, just go to our website and click on Become a Patron Today. It's only $3 a month. It gives you access to bonus points and some vintage episodes and access to our Discord channel for patrons only. Just for you, patrons. Pew, pew, pew. Our next game up this week is Tinner's Trail Remastered Edition, designed by Martin Wallace and David Digby, published by Alley Cat Games in 2021. Number of players, 1 to 5, ages 14 and up, playtime 90 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. The cover features a dashing rogue who's just robbed a loaf of bread at pickaxe point from two women who stare dreamily at him as he <laughs> casually saunters down the trail. That I don't is know that in, that's what's yeah. happening. I don't know. It's just an interpretation of what I'm seeing, you know? That's <laughs> there were no other witnesses to All the right, crime. Maybe it's a guy on his way to work at the mine. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they gave him the bread. Okay. There's a lot of questions here, okay? But I'm going with what I saw. inside the box you'll find the main game board four development boards 32 area tiles 14 drainage tokens 10 100 euro tokens 10 extra score tokens 10 peak tokens 52 standard size cards including survey cards and setup cards 12 tarot size cards two map setup cards 10 Lord Wallace solo game action cards. <laughs> mm. Wow. <laughs> One wooden auction marker. 46 developments. 14 miners. 10 steam pumps. 11 ports. 5 trains. And 6 audits. 150 resource cubes representing tin, copper, and water. 65 player pieces including mines, money markers, score markers, and work markers. And 3 dice. Now, I'm not going to read all the other components of the other parts, but there is also a Kickstarter pack and an expansion that adds several more components called the Arsenic Expansion. And that's what's in the box. Phew. Well, before we tell you if this game is a rich vein of fun or just a pile of fool's gold, Evan, grab your pickaxe and chisel us out some rules. In Tinner's Trail, which is set in the 19th century Cornwall, that's in England, by the way, you represent a mining conglomerate at the height of the tin and copper mining industry. You must buy plots of land across Cornwall in auctions and survey them for tin and copper, always managing your work points and money efficiently. Once you win an auction and place your mine, it's time to extract the oral and ideally make a profit. But the deeper your mine goes, the more expensive the process gets. 
To reduce the cost of mining, you can place developments such as ports, train stations, and adits, which are drainage tunnels. But there's only so many improvements to go around. Once you've made your money, trying to time the market to sell when prices are high, you can invest it in industries outside of Cornwall, which gain you victory points. The earlier you invest, the better the returns. Can you outplay the competition and make the most money? Or will you be left without two shillings to rub together? Let's ask the mysterious man on the cover with the mustache and the stolen bread. Yeah. He's just some random thief. He has nothing to do with this game, according to Mike. <laughs> he just he just walked into the shot. He photobombed. He might have two shillings to rub together, though. I think he has at least two shillings. Yeah. <laughs> he must. Well, Look at that he will once he sells that stolen bread. Not in a Martin <laughs> Wallace game. He has no shillings in a Martin Wallace game. Oh, that's me. right. Yeah. All right. Props to Martin Wallace for both making Lord Wallace cards and <laughs> drainage tokens. Yeah. Got yes. them drainage tokens. Oh man. Oh man. Those things made a difference too. They really in the did. Game. They really huge. did. Yeah. Yeah. He has a knack for dragging people down into the abyss economically. <laughs> I mean, he's he's still my arch nemesis, but but this game's well balanced. And for the first time I noticed in a Martin Wallace game, there are no black cubes and no negative victory points. Mm-hmm. What? There's still traps, though. Don't get it twisted. Well, are you traps. saying Martin Wallace is taking some feedback? Maybe this is an older game. This is one of his older games. Oh, right. Then maybe it's it's before he turned evil. (laughs) Oh, no. He's still evil because he'll make, he doesn't warn you. He doesn't even have things in the game like black cubes to warn you that you might go into debt. Instead, he makes it so if you spend too much money in your turn, you can't do anything next turn or barely anything the next turn. (laughs) Barely anything. There is a way to scratch your way out of that deep hole, but it Mm -hmm. is long and painful and will ultimately cost you the victory. There there are a couple other ways to get there we'll get into because if you can, as long as you own property, Mm -hmm. you can always get rid of all the water and then uh, extract your stuff for free. Well, yeah. Yes. while While you're getting murdered by debt, Mm-hmm. You can well, at yeah. least look at these pretty, pretty cards. Mm-hmm. Ooh, beautiful cards. I loved all the artwork in this game. Uh, in fact, I like the whole color scheme. Everything was clear as far as the uh, uh, contrast of colors. Uh, I didn't have any trouble identifying anything. I thought it looked good and was a joy to look at. Yeah, all the cards are like these epic vistas of yes. mm-hmm. seaside villages all, all these places you're about to wreck with your mining basically yeah, yeah right exactly yes <laughs> po- all of these beautiful waterways you're about to poison mm-hmm. exactly and and for the amount of function that a card has it, it's not too busy it just has mm-hmm. only the information it needs on there and then a pretty piece of art mm. and this is a game that been redesigned because it was originally put out in 2008 Oh, so that's interesting. Only 10, well, 12 years went by and you redesigned the game already. That seems mm-hmm. pretty recent. That, to me. That, for, yeah, for some games, that is kind of a short period of time to redesign. But I've, I've seen games that redesign after like two years, though. You know, oh, they just, yeah. there's something they felt like they missed out on an opportunity and they just want to do it again. Or there's a market for it. And instead of reprinting the old one, they just make a newer version that either tightens something up or just visually changes it so yeah in this one i guess they wanted to be more obscure because in the original tinner's trail cover they have an actual mine with people walking out of the mine and on the current one they have a a bread thief 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, in well, the, the background. In the background. Yeah, it's in the background. You can kind of see a little smokestack back there and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah this game can get rough because, uh, as we kind of alluded to, uh, your mines start filling up with water. Every time you take any ore out of the mine, it oh. adds an extra water. And for every Hence water the drainage in- tokens. Exactly. Drainage. Exactly. Ah, yep. Aha. So. And every right. so every ore you extract, you get one less uh, point for it for each water that's in the mine. So if you take three ore out, but there's three water, you're going to lose nine bucks of of revenue that you could have got. Yeah, it just that. becomes so much more costly the more water you have in there. You have mm-hmm. to get rid of that water, or it costs you too much to extract it. You won't turn that profit that you need. Yeah, yeah, you could be doing it at a loss almost, like in, in some cases. As you're extracting that stuff, you know the water's filling up, but. Sometimes you just need to go for it because the values of each of the ores changes each turn. So tin Mm -hmm. is worth roughly half the amount that copper is worth. Does it go up and down with like some sort of with like some sort of market? Yeah, by turns actually. Each round is a dice roll. Is it random? It's random. It is random. random. Those beautiful, beautiful dice that they include. Oh man, they have a yeah. yeah, Oh, the beautiful dice with some zeros on them. That's right. Six (laughs) sided with zeros on them, (sighs) Celeste. Oh, I hate that. I don't mind that. It's Mikey who doesn't like a zero. I hate that so much. (laughs) (laughs) He feels it's the greatest waste of space ever. It is. They could do something with that space. I mean, come on. But yeah, like a sad face, like a sad emoji or something. Like something that does something on there. I mean, there's other things that happen in the game. Like maybe you know, there's a water token on there that adds or drains a water somewhere. You know, something else with that real estate that they have available to them not just a blank side it's so depressing to roll 3d6 and see zero 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 on it oh well one of the dice actually didn't have a blank so we're okay with that (laughs) zero zero one (laughs) (laughs) yes you could uh, so how how variable is it it goes zero to what uh uh the maximum roll was 13 i think on 3d6 mm, and yeah, one of them okay. only had a three yeah but but basically it was kind of unnecessary to have the dice like that because there was a range for each of the of the uh different ores and if we rolled in that range that was the value of that ore so they could have just used three standard d6s and changed the ranges there but instead he wanted to be martin wallace about it and put zeros <laughs> on the dice well, like there's it. definitely a bell curve there. It's more mm-hmm. likely to be in the middle than at the extreme ranges. Yes, that's And the, the other thing to note about the, the ore price is that tin has a smaller range. It only goes from four to seven, while copper swings from two to ten. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's Swingy rough. copper. If you let your copper sit there, like when you know, you're waiting till next turn, like, oh, it's only at eight. It could go to ten next turn, but it could go to two. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, you got to grab that copper while you can, or you can really lose out. Yeah. Are the numbers wrong on there, Ed? I don't know. I don't see it. I don't either. Oh. It, it's a kicked out one. Why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay. So well, it's not It's not part of this I want chart. a new one. So, okay. So Sorry about that. It was blind anyway. Total randomness. So. I will pass, Ed. It's yours for five bucks. Five. All right. So five bucks paid. Let's see what right, I see. What you bought? One, two, one, and one, four two, water. Four. That's that's a Kickstarter one too. Those suck. Why do we got these Kickstarter ones? Terrible. Because it's called kicking the ass. Yeah, so one, two, four. 
Yeah, there's four rounds in this game, and you can leave your properties unmined and wait for the next set of dice rolls to see how the price changes. You're taking a gamble, potentially, mm-hmm. and leaving that ore there and not taking it out because your price could plummet as a result, mm-hmm. and then you're pulling it out at a much lower discount. But you're rate. hoping yeah. it'll go up. Yes, that's only gambling in this game in the sense. There's mm-hmm. also the auction for property. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. sure, you could peek at the card if you have that privilege, or you can use up one of your valuable cards to survey it before you put it up for auction. But it's primarily mm-hmm. a blind auction. Yeah, it starts yes. off wow. as a blind Basically auction. Blind. And I've done that a couple of times oh. to say, I'm auctioning this piece of property. And starting to bid at one. Who dare oh. raise it? And Celeste, <laughs> some of these properties are garbage. You'll Ooh. yield like <laughs> one tin and one copper, but you'll have four water in there that you yeah. have to contend with. Forget uh. that. And you have no way of knowing unless you survey it ahead of time. Yeah. I saw my card and I'm like, oh, the cards are like, I looked at all of them. I said, oh, they're kind of balanced. One, one, four. You know, that's the same numbers ish as some of the other ones. But then I realized water's bad. <laughs> yeah, it is deceptive. So, it is so it's really deceptive. Awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it basically goes from like uh, Baltic Avenue all the way up to Park Place. Oh, yeah. yes. There's, yeah. Yes, there's a range of quality of properties. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, and you don't know what you're getting unless you either have peeked at it from last turn and you, you kind of get that privilege by getting out of the action phase before other players and the other advantage of that is, you know, if you haven't used up all your actions or if you went first and got all the way to the end of your 10 actions, you go to the um, VP buying board. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a cool mechanic there because this game encourages players to buy VPs early in the game because they have more value earlier in the game than they do later in the game. And also passing earlier will get you a shot at a uh, better point than people who pass later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the trade-off, the trade-off there, Celeste, is if you're going to spend your money that you earned from selling your ore to buy victory points, that's less money you have to bid on properties the next turn. Mm-hmm. It's a tra- it's a balance. Yeah, it is. A balance. And it might even cost you money to extract that ore. So right. it's like, do I buy more property or do I extract the ore I have? Right, because the water, you pay for the water when you're extracting it. You don't get the money till you sell. So you might not even have enough money saved up from the turn before. And that's the trap that I was talking about. You might not have enough money from the round before to extract all the ore you want to in this next round. Mm -hmm. And I see that the board has a seat squirming uh, amount of VP to track around the board. (laughs) Oh, yes. Way too many VP points, guys. Way too many. I always get uncomfortable when I see 100. but, But what does this board have like? (laughs) <laughs> 500 <laughs> yeah, it goes, yeah it goes 400 you have a 400 chip so when you've ran yeah. around the board four times and then you can go around the board one more time yeah no thanks but we, we were the <laughs> we ended the game in the low 200s though but still that's still a lot of points i mean yeah. it's intimidating to see like oh i can mm-hmm. go into the 400s here for victory points oh. yeah you think wallace is just messing with you like oh eh. Well, Let them think they can get to four hundred. They'll always <laughs> feel like they'll always feel like they're doing crappy. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe actually, I yeah. I find it hard to get past four hundred. Honestly, seeing what's available each turn. Uh, so yeah, he might be messing with us. Yeah. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Tinner's trail. Mike, 
Although Martin Wallace is my arch nemesis, I must <laughs> admit this is a really good resource game. And and even with the pits and trap falls that he left for me, I definitely still want to play this game again. So I dig it up. Evan? Tinner's Trail offers a plethora of choices and decisions with lots of interesting game mechanics and some things I don't think I've seen before in a board game. Tin, Copper, and this game... Dig them all. <laughs> Things you haven't seen before, like a VP tracker that goes to 500. <laughs> that is one of the things I've not yeah. seen before. Only in Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Ed? I found Tinner Trail to be a delightful, light the medium weight Euro game. Light. The game is easy to learn with only a few actions, but the game will play out differently during the player actions and auctions and the random setup. The random list may be a little high there for some people, but I very much enjoy making the most of what I have, so I'll take this pastry and dig her up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like your pastries with a bit of clotted cream? <laughs> Let us know. We are at which game first. Or with some stolen ba- bread. Or st- Do you like your <laughs> stolen bread with a little clotted cream? Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Our last game up this week is Summit, designed by Olaf Helmer and Lloyd S. Shapley. Those are some pretty fabulous names. Shapley. I love them. Lloyd Published Shapley. by Milton Bradley in 1961. Number of players, three to six, ages 12 and up. No playtime listed. Mikey, tell us what's mm. in the box. <laughs> Well, the cover of this box, I I really love to talk about the covers of boxes, but this one just says Summit in the middle of a big navy blue field, the top level game of global strategy. Inside the box, you'll find a board, a score pad, 24 summit cards, six summary cards, 12 practice cards, a summit base, a flag, 15 factories that are double-sided with steel mills. 12 military bases, 75 chips of white, red, and black, 18 orange I-beams, and 18 black I-beams. And that's what's in the box. It's a pretty good amount of stuff for the 60s. Not bad. Oh, yes. Before we find out if this game is an almighty victory or a chilly stalemate, Evan, tell us the NATO-approved rules. Summit is a Cold War-era board game in which players run one of the major economic and military powers from 1961. The goal of the game is to score the most victory points by using influence and popularity to gain control of the most valuable foreign territories on the board. There are four phases in each player's turn. Production, current events, diplomatic action, and then building. Production means turning out raw materials and power chips. Current events are random events that unfold during the player's turn. Diplomatic actions allow players to negotiate alliances as well as force other players to dismantle their missile bases. And the building phase is used to turn in those raw materials to build mills and factories and missile bases, of course. If a current event calls for a census, players can convert mills to factories to gain more victory points. If a current event calls for the Summit Conference, this triggers the end game round. Again, the player with the most victory points at the end of the game is the winner, so it's time to sum it up. Oh. <laughs> Get it? 
Ouch. All right, Ed, tell us about those plastic pieces. Uh, the plastic pieces, there are a lot of them that look great. I'm surprised there's so many of them in a game from 1960. Yes. I know, and I like how distinct the colors are in the sets. Each mm-hmm. country gets their own set of the same pieces, so they right. have to have distinct colors. And This is pretty good for, for uh, this type of game. Darn good mm-hmm. for, for this game. Yeah. I'll also mention, before we uh, delve a little too much further, the artwork and, and these kinds of fe- features of the game were fine. Um, you know, kind of basic to a certain degree. The box itself, do you guys remember the material? It's like this yeah. linen. It's a linen sort of finish. Of, like a linen finish on it. In the 60s. Mikey didn't have much to say about the cover, but I have to say the cover is very elegant. <laughs> yes. And well designed. You know, I it's, agree. It's I like mean, what happened. It just reminds me of like the '80s games again. What happened in the '80s? Like these <laughs> games were so well, so well graphically laid out. Like I guess it was during the heyday of marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Of the early marketing, the '60s. In the '80s, man, everything just looked like vomit on the cover. It was just <laughs> yeah, like throwing so as much busy. crud as you could onto the. Yeah, well, it's an ebb and flow, you know. Like at one point, the simple ones stood out, and then somebody made the vomitous cover with every possible color and flavor on there, and then those stood out from the plain ones. But now, you know, maybe the plain ones make a comeback, and and. The cycle continues. At, How to communicate what you want your game to say. Do you mm-hmm. need it to say like, hey, this is a smorgasbord of stuff or is this? No, <laughs> this is a serious game for mm-hmm. serious minded yeah, I mean, it was just garish in the 80s. In the yeah. 80s were garish time. I, I guess. mean, yeah, Max Headroom. Come on. Everything was garish in the 80s. <laughs> but for the 60s, again, I mean, we've played games from the early mm-hmm. 60s. So we do have a frame of reference in comparison. And the reason I bring up things like the material, what the box was made of. It may seem, you know, insignificant, but it speaks to, I think, the quality and kind of extra sort of thought that actually went into this game. And you can see it in the components. Yes, they were plastic, but still there was a good amount of detail in there. There there was detail and a lot of thought that went into the production part of this game. It's very neat that one of the currencies in the game was eye beams. Right. So you had little eye beam meeples. Yeah, they were for production, right? (laughs) And I honestly, not only was the look of this game and components kind of like ahead of its time or out of its time maybe, but also the gameplay too. Milton Bradley wasn't making strategy games where you actually had like a verbal tete-a-tete with people to try Mm -hmm. to form alliances and, you know, have like these push and pull moments that they didn't really have in a lot of games that they've made historically. No, you're right. They didn't. There were also some other things in this game that, that you didn't usually see in the six, in the sixties uh, reference cards, for example, mm-hmm. turn order cards. I mean, you know, those yeah. are common nowadays with game. So you, you can't find that in 19, in 1960, the trays themselves that hold, that mm-hmm. hold the pieces in their compartments. Uh, another thing I thought was an amazing innovation for the type of game. It had a built in, to turn tutorial you yes. learn as you play love yeah. it i love mean people it. there's a few games now that have that but man that was like the only game of its kind that was doing that back then i'm sure of it i love it and the board itself is a map of the world a polar and- view map yeah mm-hmm. polar view which is also untypical mm-hmm. right 
Yeah, and it's elegant. It's very clean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's again not a vomitous mess, which that world mess can be. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <Right>. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there there were. I'll, I'll say though, if we want to move on to the gameplay of it a little bit, there were kind of a couple flaws, I'd say, and the biggest <laughs> one comes with the three-player version of this game. Mm. Um, be- but we played it with three. Players. We played it with three, but I think anytime you play it with three players, it's a problem because you get three different categories of chips. One is for the popularity, one is for your economic power, and the other one is for... um, Military. Yeah, for your military military might. And so if you want to take over somebody else's territory, you have to play one of your three chip types against that territory. And that person can go back and forth with you to, you know... Whoever has puts the last chip down basically wins the fight. Right, right. This is the dismantle. You're, you're forcing people to dismantle their bases by playing these chips. So if Mike has eight military chips and I have nine military chips, I can go one for one with him. And eventually I, I know I can force him to, to um, dismantle his base. Mm-hmm. The problem with that, though, is when that fight is over... Player three still has all their chips. <laughs> right. right. They'll have all their military might, and then right. they have a very powerful position at that point. Yeah, because all they have to do is play one chip on each base on the whole entire table, and nobody can contest them because everybody's mm. out of chips from their fight. Yeah. So in one turn, player three can use one category of their chips and wipe the entire board out. The offset to that is supposed to be in the mechanics that you can ma- forge alliances. Players mm-hmm. can agree to, you know, not go after each other and instead gang up and go against, well, another player. And this is also <laughs> right. where the three-player uh, structure doesn't really work all that well. And three is the minimum yeah, you need like, to play the game. Yeah, let's win. The two of us combine and beat down the other player <laughs> right. with no hope of ever winning. We couldn't ever. see a way in which any two players could, one player could beat back two players ganging up on them. It just w- mm-hmm. doesn't seem like It would be a possible. tough sell today to have a game that would o- that was only four to six players. That would be a tough mm-hmm. game. That's it, it a is, they they do exist, but it is tough. Yeah, that's a very tough mm-hmm. sell. Um but yeah, this game I'd say it it pl- functions at three players, but it's not. I wouldn't say they it were very probably well. just trying to expand the market. Absolutely, I can't. Yeah, and I can't. They play. were. I, I I wonder how this game sold in its time because it seems out of place almost. You know what I mean? And a game feel, out of time. That's yeah, right. A little bit, and I feel like maybe they were trying to make up for it with all the really good components and stuff like that. It's possible, and hey, we got designer credits on a game in 1961. That that in yes. itself is also mm-hmm. unusual. I was yeah. going to mention that. That's uh, that is pretty impressive. Um, the the other really tough part of this game is the player one kind of advantage because you all you need to do to take properties early in the game is put a base there. So if you're building up your base first, you get the pick of the litter of the properties on the table. Yeah, and, and some are much more valuable than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the value swings a lot. But there also is a, a last player advantage in the sense of the game ends when that summit card is pulled, mm-hmm. and the last player gets the last licks and therefore gets to do all of his shenanigans with no reprisal. Right. Mm-hmm. That True. is correct, right? Yeah, I don't know if that makes up for an entire game worth of uh, advantage, but it is something. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got four. I got to events. To worry about. Oh, event, right? Yep. Yeah, events. Nuclear accident. Your expedition to Mars is successful. What? Wait, what? 
I know. Mars? Right? Okay. Is Good that job. like is that like a city in He's got three near factories. East Asia or yeah, something? right. Mars, Indiana. Ma- Mars, India. <laughs> <laughs> Your expedition to Mars is tough. Well, give one I-beam to the banker uh-huh. and get one popular ship from him. Oh, cool. Oh. He spends oh, a little money. NASA only costs you one I-beam worth of that's production? Barely, barely. Wow, you get to Mars, you only one I-beam. That's you get pretty Mars. cheap. How yeah. realistic. I know. <laughs> wow. Oh, they, not bad for 1961. Yeah, pretty Mars. good. <laughs> they figured out all that radiation problem. <laughs> I wish I could tell you more about the sales of this game, but the information for this game is <laughs> is appallingly light. It does <laughs> it have is. a Wikipedia page. It does. That's impressive. Oh. It, it does. And uh, on its page, it says it's two to six players. Do you guys oh. think it could be played with two? No, mm, I mean, be, well, you you have to eliminate the alliance aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, you lose and at that an point. Yeah, I think it lose it loses the depth at two players. I really don't think that's gonna make mm-hmm. for much of a fun yeah. game. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Summit. Evan, Summit was surprisingly good in the context of 1961. It's actually pretty. Ad- advanced in the in this family of board games some real thought and effort went into it so kudos to milton bradley for the effort with that said i felt the pace of the game was a little too slow and obviously some of the mechanisms needed tweaking that we talked about first player advantage and the alliance rules and for those reasons although it has a lot of positives i'm going to very slightly bury it ed like evan i'm impressed with the concept of the game it seemed to have an interesting push-pull mechanics, as well as a geopolitical game. But at three players, uh, any fight is a loss, so maybe that's a statement in itself. But I don't really want to play this game again, Mm. and for that reason, I'll have to bury it. Mike? Well, unlike Ed, I do want to play this game again because it had a refreshing simplicity, and I think at four or five players with a bunch of changing alliances and stuff, it it could actually work. And it could draw some of my friends in that don't play the super heavy strategy games because all of the mechanics make sense and you don't have to dig into the rule book every turn to figure out what to do. So for that reason, I will dig it up. Cool. Geopolitical war. What is it good for? (laughs) Please let us know. We are at which game first. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing from you. Please reach out to us on social media. We want to know what's going on with you and the games you're playing. If you'd like more perks and content from us, including our patron-only podcast called Bonus Points. For just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Patron today. If you get us a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, a shout-out, a review, a mention, a holler, an apple, a star, whatever they're giving out (laughs) these days on social media. Ninja points. (laughs) And join our chat on our Discord server. We are at which game first everywhere happy gaming explorers trust but verify so what's so magical about this word where werewolves are conspiring to keep it from our villagers thanks for the bread ladies <laughs> sayonara suckers <laughs> <laughs>